can you believe that we are approaching the last month of 2022? As cliche as it sounds, I can't help but mention that this year has flown by. This is a great opportunity, not only for us to wrap up our unconventional series on gratitude, which we will do tonight, but it's also a time where we can kind of hype ourselves up to finish this year strong. Look, now is not the time to get complacent. With only a few weeks left in the year, we can be tempted to push our goals off to January 1st. But friend, nothing magical happens on that day. Whatever you could accomplish then, know that you could accomplish now. Tonight, we are going to talk about why it's so important to understand holy confrontations and why it's important to be grateful for them. Do you want to know how holy confrontations can impact you and why and how they have the ability to launch you forward like never before? Great. You're in the right place. Stay tuned for tonight's episode, Conviction and Clarity. Hey friend, so welcome back. We had a little bit of a break last week for Thanksgiving. I pray that you had a wonderful time with your friends and family. Uh, If you were alone or were unable to gather with anyone, I pray that you still were able to express gratitude and that someone in your life at least let you know that they were grateful for you and the ways that you add value to them. I also know that the Thanksgiving holiday can be stressful for many. (laughs) Gathering with family is a beautiful, wonderful thing. But all those personalities in one place can certainly get lively. And so I want to balance all of the good with saying, maybe if it wasn't quite what you expected or it was everything (laughs) you expected. At the end of the day, I pray you had a good time and you took a little bit of that time to thank God for all the wonderful things he is doing in your life. And I do believe that he is. So tonight, I just want to kind of wrap up what we've been discussing about unconventional gratitude. And I want to do that with just a, I wouldn't even really call it a testimony or or confession. It's just something that the Lord showed me um, that hopefully it may help someone else. So I was, I don't know, sitting down at my computer a week or so ago, working on creating some content for social media for Rooted or Capital Moms or one of the other businesses, who knows. And um, I saw my Bible sitting over there to my left, and I realized that I had not really been spending time in God's word the way that I normally do. And I recognized in that moment that it was the Holy Spirit convicting me that um, this was not a time to take the feet off the gas, right? Like this was not the time for me to slow down. If anything, it needs to be all gas, no brakes as we wrap this year up. And so um, the thing I love about the Holy Spirit convicting you is that you don't feel bad, right? Because that's never God's intention is to make you feel shame or guilt. Now, there are times where you may feel godly sorrow because you realize that you have, you know, disappointed God or sinned against him or um, gone against what was in your own best interest is usually, you know, the biggest thing is that you realize that God has provided a means 
for your needs to be met and you have forsaken it because of a lack of discipline or consistency or ignorance, whatever it may be. For me, I had allowed the way that I was using my time to detract from what was in my own best interest. You guys know that I am huge on personal growth and development. I believe in investing in business coaches, life coaches, spending time in God's word, being in Bible studies, listening to podcasts, trying to find ways to elevate your thinking, your mindset, uh, so that you can embrace all that God has for you, right? With all of that being said, (laughs) even having my own growth podcast, it can get tiring. I am a single mom. I've shared that in the past. I am also a full-time attorney practicing. Um, I manage a law firm with my business partner. I also manage a second business with that same business partner. Um, We just wrote and are releasing a book on Thursday. I do this podcast, which I post an episode every week, I think, except for one week I went on vacation. And then last week with Thanksgiving, I am a speaker and I um, am a city council board member. And so all of the things, right, not listing them as if these are titles to like, have you hail me as someone super important. I'm saying I have 24 hours in a day like anyone else and my hours are filled. Um, And I don't work traditional hours because I work for myself. And so it can be hard to cut it off. All of that to say that I can go into burnout really easily. I do struggle at times to find balance, not between home life and work life. Um, I think I do that pretty well, but balance just between how hard I'm going for myself, what I'm trying to accomplish and leisure. So typically what happens is I push myself to the limit until I can't go any further. I crash. Um, I then try to be as least productive as I can. (laughs) And then I feel like when I have to absolutely go back to being productive, I do that. But that doesn't work in the long run. And it doesn't work for the places that God is taking me. And so I had to confront that and I had to allow the Holy Spirit to confront me with that. And so what we want to talk about tonight in that long way around (laughs) is how to be grateful for these holy confrontations, how to be grateful for conviction and clarity. In my Bible, when I did open it, (laughs) I found some sticky notes that I had jotted some things down on. And one of them was talking about Adam and Eve, and when Eve ate the fruit, right? And so for theological purposes, we don't know whether it was an apple or not. People talk about it being an apple. It it doesn't matter what the fruit was. It was something that was edible that could be eaten. She ate it and she gave it to Adam and he also ate, right? And so in kind of looking at that story, uh, the Holy Spirit was talking to me about What if what they were indulging in wasn't literal food, right? Can you think beyond it being something edible and thinking a little bit higher? What if what they had been convinced to indulge in was still a deception of the enemy? It was still an attempt to get them to not understand who they already were in Christ. It was still an attempt to get them to question God's character, but it wasn't something tangible. It wasn't something that you could hold and look at and see outright 
that it was a willful rebellious sin? What if the enemy was more crafty than that? What if he was a little bit more insidious than that? And I started to think what greater way to derail and distract a person who is on the track of pursuing their purpose than to use a distraction like a waste of time. What happens when we waste our time? When we waste our time, we fail to take hold of opportunities for God to prepare us and grow us for what he's going to give to us, what he has promised. God is a promise keeper, right? The enemy knows he cannot keep God from fulfilling his promise, but what he can do is distract us so that we can't identify the promise, so that we're not prepared for the promise, so we cannot manage the promise, so that we fumble the promise, right? And so there is no better way to have you distracted than how you manage your time. I know, especially if you're in a professional environment, you're probably sick to death of hearing about time management, time management, because you and I both know you were wearing multiple hats and you were busy. I get it. But this is an area that we cannot avoid. We have to be intentional and diligent about how we manage our time. Because if we are not, and we are indulging in things in the same way that Adam and Eve indulged in that apple, if we are indulging in things that do not prepare us for what God has for us, we are going to fumble it. All of this has to be tempered with this overarching theme of balance. What I am not telling you, listen to me, I am not telling you that you need to work yourself to the bone that you can never take a break, that even within the day, you shouldn't have leisure. I'm not saying, look, I'm all about leisure. So I'm not saying like, oh, work hard during the week. And then maybe you can have some downtime on the weekends. I believe every day should incorporate some form of leisure. That works for me. You need to find what works for you so that you can have a healthy balance because everyone needs that. Everyone needs a balance. But if you're not careful and you let that thing go too far, then the enemy's not overtly doing anything. He's letting you push your promise away, right? Because you can't manage it. You can't handle it. And then when God gives it to you, instead of it feeling like a blessing, it's going to feel like a burden. Think about this. Think about this in very practical ways, right? If you desired a spouse and you were spending time in God's word, letting him heal you, praying that your husband or your future wife, that they would be healed, praying for how do you communicate better? How do you serve and sacrifice better? How do you listen better? How can you be someone who can articulate your needs better? All the things that help contribute to a happy, healthy relationship. How do you grow your prayer life in singleness so that you're ready to do it as a couple? Those are things that take time. You have to devote time to those. It doesn't matter how bad you want this person. You do not want to be someone who fumbles a whole person, causes damage and irreparable harm because you failed to prepare yourself. You wanted it, but you weren't ready for it. So imagine that that person comes along. You don't know what to do with them. 
And so it's causing you pain, heartache, and frustration because you have what it is you want, but you don't know what to do with it. Imagine praying for that promotion, praying for an open door into a field that you know in your heart you've been called to perform in and to excel in. But you don't want to spend any time developing your craft. You think you know it all already. You don't believe that there's anything that you can do to learn or to grow or to be teachable. God opens that door and you are now so overwhelmed with tasks that you have no idea how to approach, no idea how to delegate, no idea how to navigate because you didn't spend the time preparing. That very blessing, that thing you've been wanting, that thing God wants to give you won't feel like a blessing. It'll feel like a burden if you don't watch how you're spending your time. So when we talk about these holy confrontations, we know that Jesus has a track record of asking people questions in the Bible, not because he needs to know the information, but because he wants you to know something about yourself or them to know something about themselves that they have not clearly grasped. We know with Adam and Eve, that the Bible tells us that God walked in the garden with them. Now, we don't know whether he physically manifested and presented himself, but we do know that it was more than just the idea or cloud probably hovering because Adam and Eve heard him walk. Remember, after they'd eaten the apple, they heard him moving, and so they hid. That's how they knew to hide, to hide, Lord. That's how they knew to hide. And so we know that there was some physical manifestation of him, whether it was in bodily form or not, we don't know. There are many who say that that is a pre-incarnate picture of Christ in bodily form. The point is that he was there, right? And so God asks them, where are you? Where are you? Do you think that God did not know they were hiding behind a bush? He knew exactly where they were. He's asking them, where are you? Because he wants them to realize where they are, what they have done. He wants them to grasp it. He wants them to have self-awareness. That is what conviction from God looks like. When God confronts you, when he's asking you, what are you doing? Where are you? God knows where you are. He made you. He knows exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. But do you know? Do you know? And this is a question I have to ask myself. If I know that God is the only one who has maintained and sustained me to be able to reach this level of success, to be able to raise this man child and still be sane, to be able to continue to stretch beyond what I thought I was capable of. If I know spending time with God and surrendering to him is the only thing that's got me there, why in the world would I intentionally, willfully, and rebelliously choose not to continue to spend that same time with God? What is it that I believe about myself? What is it that I believe about God that that tells me, go ahead and sabotage this. Go ahead and risk this. And I think the underlying message for many of us is that we don't really believe we can actually have it, even though it's happening. Even though it's happening, it still feels like, no, to really believe is to set myself up for disappointment. And so I'm going to indulge in things that are really just a waste of my time, but there's no risk there. There's no risk 
to me listening to audiobook after audiobook. There's no risk to me playing video game with my son for hours on end. There's no risk to just hanging out with my friends. All good things, all fine things, things you should indulge in. But the amount of time is telling. Why are you spending so much time on this when this did not get you where you are right now? This cannot sustain you. This prolonged over time can only drain you. This is going to rob you of the very thing that you already possess. Think about Adam and Eve. The enemy convinced them that by indulging in this thing, they could have something that if they had been self-aware, they would have realized they already had. He said, "He God is keeping you from this knowledge because he does not want you to be like him. And if they were self-aware, they would have known. I was already created in his image. I am like him already. And so that is what I want to caution you, friend. What is it that God is saying? Hey, 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 snap out of it. Where are you right now? What are you doing right now? What is it that you have been believing God for and you were on the way that now you're starting to backpedal? Now you're starting to backtrack. Now you're starting to doubt. Are you engaging in any self-sabotaging activities? And if you're not aware, is it possible on a subconscious level that what you're telling yourself is rest and leisure and having fun is really you taking a step back when you are right there on the edge of your promised land? I need you to know I'm talking to myself (laughs) as I'm talking to you. I should have set a mirror up in front of the microphone. But this is not the only example of Jesus in his holy confrontations. He asked the man, remember, who had been by the well for, what, 38 years? Do you want to be well? (laughs) It seems like a callous question from the beginning. Of course I do. I've been laying here hoping that someone would get me down to the water for 38 years. But if you'd been somewhere waiting for 38 years, do you think that your faith is the same as it was on day one? Do you think that man still really believed that it was possible for him? Jesus is saying, do you want to be made well? Do you even still want it? The thing that you came here for on day one that didn't happen on day 10 didn't happen in year 10, didn't happen in year 20. Do you still want it? He's asking the condition of our heart. Remember, we just talked about the woman at the well a couple weeks ago when he said, go get your husband. He knew she didn't have a husband. (laughs) He knew she didn't have a husband. He wasn't saying that to embarrass her. Remember we talked about that exposure, that confrontation, how she left happy because he told her about herself. He helped her to see her. And so that's what these holy confrontations are for. That's what conviction is about. It's about bringing clarity. So now the question, friend, is what are we going to do with it now that we're clear, now that we can see, hey, I'm I'm starting to take my, my feet off the gas. I'm starting to, I'm backing up. I'm starting to operate in fear again. I'm starting to doubt again. I'm starting to look for ways to do everything but plug in again. Why is that? What is this underlying undercurrent message that is translating to your spirit? What is it telling you? And what are you going to do to confront it? 
because it's key right now. It's key right now. And so we're going to wrap this up in this month of unconventional gratitude. We've talked about exposure. We've talked about the long way around. We've talked about being grateful for the gap. And tonight we have wrapped it up with talking about how to be grateful for holy confrontations, for conviction, for clarity. Because what you have coming, friend, in 2023, you can't ease off the gas now. Now is the time to be all gas, no breaks. Whatever time you were spending in the word before, more, more now. Whatever time you're spending in your personal growth and development, more, more sermons, more praise and worship, more fellowship, more serving, more prayer, more, 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 more. And I need you to push. And I know that it's hard. It's hard to keep hoping. It's hard to keep going. But what we can't do is get distracted. God is preparing you. And the enemy wants to distract you, to keep you from taking hold of what God surely intends to give to you. So where are you, friend? Where are you? Respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Allow him to bring you clarity and then be prepared to act. I love you so much. I'm Shania and this is Rooted.